Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Happy Friday to you. Nate and I are at UC Health Training Center for day three of Broncos Training Camp 2022. Uh, first two days in the books, partner. Uh, looks like the defense was a little bit ahead the first two days. That's kind of we knew and discussed a little bit there. But uh, now here in day three, uh, I guess we're going to see what happens. Yeah, we're going to see what happens. The offense is installing their kind of third tier of their installation. Um, you know, day one is, is is kind of the skeleton. Day two, you add some some flesh, some ligaments. <laughs> day three, you kind of continue putting uh, the soft tissue on there. And uh, you're going to start to see the defense biting on some stuff because they're going to start seeing tendencies from day one and day two that they think are, are, is what's going to happen. And then, boop, show them the empty hand, you're out the back door. So I think the offense will start to uh, shine a little bit. But it's funny. Like, you know, we all watch the same practice, but everyone has different interpretations. Right. Like Cecil Lammy has an article up on DenverFan.com that says offense clearly won the day yesterday. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I, I know. <laughs> but um, but I think they had a better day, you know, and and I think it's going to continue to to get better and better for the offense as the defense has has to account for more and more things. Absolutely, yeah. That's, there's just the ebb and flow to training camp, and I think almost every training camp across the league, defense is going to win the first couple of days while the offense is trying to get their footing underneath them. And to your point, once they start going a little bit deeper in the playbook, okay, it's not outside zone; it's a bootleg to the backside. Uh, okay, now you know we're going to have the, the next layer of the onion to, to show you defensively, and you guys are hyper aggressive, biting on tendencies, thinking you're seeing the exact same thing, which is exactly what an offense wants to do is to get you to think one thing and show you something different, uh, then that's when it'll be a little bit more of a fair fight at that point. Yeah, so these guys get in, get in around whatever seven, between seven and eight, I imagine, um, eat some breakfast, and they're here till, like Russell said, seven, eight, or nine p.m. They're out on this field for this practice for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. So what are they doing the rest of the time? They're tripling the time they spend on the field in the classroom, mm-hmm. installing new plays, watching film of yesterday, cleaning stuff up, putting in the new junk, and having to sit there and pay attention and take notes, and that's why you see guys come out here a lot of times with a play with, with a play sheet, the script in their hand, trying to remember what they got going on and stuff like that. So really, it's a it's a mental affair just as much as, as it is physical. I know we're going to talk about individual players as we go here, but really, it's it's okay to have a, pl- a bad play. It's okay to have a bad day. How do you respond to that? Right. You know, what's your body language like? Are you slouching your shoulders? Are you demoralized or are you emboldened? and determined to make sure that doesn't happen again. Coaches, look, everybody out here belongs out here. There's no shame in getting beat out here one day to the next, one play to the next. Coaches expect you to get beat because the guy who beat you is also someone they like, right? So how do you respond to that? And I'm thinking mostly about Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's body language to me the last couple days is is troubling if I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. What's going on with Jerry? Mm -hmm. Does he want to be out here? Is he ready for this fight? Because he does belong out here. He's a very talented wide receiver. Uh, who belongs on an NFL football team. The question is, are you able to come to work every day? And if you if you mess up, are you going to come back stronger? And I think that's what we want to see, not just out of Jerry Judy, but everybody. 
Yeah, you know, it's only two days into camp here, day three today. And there's, again, a, a sense of some guys' uh, arrows are pointed up, some guys' arrows are pointed down. You talked about Jerry Judy, the concerns there. Uh, Eric Sawbuck now uh, touchdown both uh, first two days of training camp, emerging as more than just a blocking tight end, but an actual legitimate receiving threat. Uh, this offense is going to be that much better if there's a tight end who does not uh, have a tell to the defense, you know, what the play is going to be. If it's Alberto, you know, most for the most part, he's not going to be a primary point of attack blocker. Uh, Eric Salbert presents a good point of attack blocker plus a reliable receiver. The connection between him and Russell Wilson seems to be growing here early in camp. We'll see if that's something that continues. But, yeah, there is a, a daily meter for every single player. Is the arrow pointed up? Is the arrow pointed down? Were you just flat? Did you improve? Did you get worse? Uh, and the concerns about Jerry Judah are just not felt by you. I'm seeing that same kind of body language, the, the pressing, the uh, lack of confidence. Maybe some of this conversation that, uh, you know, that's swirling around from a media perspective is beginning to get into Jerry Judy's head. Yeah, it seems like he left the door open to his kitchen. Yeah. Can't everybody, do it. Everybody's Can't coming do in. it. He's got to kick them out and get back to work. Uh, we talk about Eric Salbert. I think tight end is, is that question mark um, on this offense. Uh, of course, the offensive line still is they're trying to figure out who those starters are. But at tight end, yeah, who's going who's gonna to be out there and be able to run every play in the playbook? And Eric Tomlinson is a blocker. He's not necessarily a, a, a pass catcher. You're not really going to see him running down the seam the way you did Eric, the way you saw Eric Saubert yesterday. I didn't see that catch he had down the seam yesterday, but apparently it was a you know, 25, 30 yarder. That seam route, very, very important route for this offense. Um, you know, you have a landmark that you're trying to hit, basically inside edge of the numbers, and you're running right up that thing. But if it's a cover two safety, you're bending it into the middle. you got to read it, one safety or two. It's a pretty easy read. And like you said so many times, Chad, it's really hard to cover yeah. if you have a quarterback who can drop it in there. And by the way, Russell can drop it in anywhere. This dude, <laughs> I mean, for all the stuff, the grief we've given him on the social media stuff and the buildup and the hype, which was had its level of annoying. But out here on the field, man, this dude is a shark. He moves with zero wasted movements out there. He's so efficient, and he can make every single throw on the field. He can throw the D ball. He can throw lasers. He can drop it in, you know, zone coverage on crossing routes. And so I just think for Nathaniel Hackett, looking at what Russell Wilson can do, he's just got to be really excited about the way this offense is going to unfold. But a tight end like Eric Saubert, who – and by the way, once you put the pads and the helmet on, he's going to look even better because mm-hmm. he's going to be in there doing the dirty work that they need them to do in the running game. And so he's going to be even more open. But making that one play every day that people remember, that the coaches say, hey, look at him making that catch. That's what you got to do. The little stuff, the, the, you know, the body language, hustling and drills, um, being accountable in your playbook, running, running game stuff, all that stuff, it all adds up. But you got to make those special plays as well when you get the chance. Uh, Eric Salbert, two days, two Gronk spikes. I think that's a good way to start off training camp on the right foot for him. Uh, fans are starting to trickle in right now. Uh, doesn't seem to be as big of a crowd as uh, we saw the last two days. No, they're, they're coming in. The line was actually longer up there just now than it was yesterday when I got here. Now, I got here a little earlier yesterday, so that matters. But, no, I think you're going to see a, a nice crowd today. Okay, I, I'm sure tomorrow's crowd is going to be massive bananas in, in comparison so i would recommend di- getting down here early if you want a prime spot on the hill it looks like uh well i'm not sure if there's a kind of a sign seating. if you come in early i guess you just want to get that front row seat yeah they they, they kind of lead you down to the front 
Okay. Which yeah. which is interesting because I might prefer to be up a little higher to, to see things develop. Yeah. Right? I prefer to be at the highest point on the hill, but that's just me, the old football guy, football guy trying to get the uh, press box view of things. However, it's going to be hard for you if you're sitting up high to shake Russell Wilson's hand when he runs ah. along when he run, runs runs there along that go. line. Okay. Well, I've you know I've shaken Russell Wilson's hand before. So you whoa whoa whoa! You shake. Yeah, you, you didn't wash your hands, have you? Uh, I did. I, I probably washed my hands a, a few minutes after that. I Immediately dapped, after. I dapped what? him up. What's up, Russ? And then, uh, yes, you know, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. If, <laughs> if you are dapping up football players after practice, the last thing you do is go directly into the dining hall. You run to the bathroom and wash your hands. All that blood, sweat, saliva, no way, man. I gotta wash my hands. Wow, for a dude who played that much football, you you are pretty skittish around the <laughs> around the germs. <laughs> now, when, now, when I was playing, it was impossible to avoid. But as a coach, dapping up guys after practice, and then you know heading to the dining hall, yeah, there is a stop in the bathroom for a thorough washing. It's not just the palms; it's the back of the hands, halfway up the wrist. I was out there sweating and helping guys with their pass rush, and I'm, I'm yeah, come on, yes. It's more than just being a germaphobe. It's just common sense. So when you when you shook Russell Wilson's hand, did you were you struck by the size of his hands because he has big hands? Uh, for a smaller, for a shorter person, yeah, there, he's got some nice, sizable uh, mitts. Mitts, yes. Yeah, when he throws the ball, man, you can really tell that he has control of that football. You can tell some some quarterbacks when they just kind of have to like prop it up on their hand and just sling it out there like baby hands. Uh, Kenny Pickett, <laughs> like what's he doing in there? Like, yeah, he's blue, uh, But no, this dude is um, he can really spin it, as they say. All right, we come back. We've got uh, Troy Rank. I'm sure Troy will have a a phrase that will make us giggle as we ask about Russell Wilson in the first two days of training camp. Troy's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. My way Many rivers to cross on a reggae Friday, third day here at training camp at the UC Health Training Center. Uh, you think they're listening to some reggae in the locker room right now, getting ready? A little Jimmy Cliff in there to get no, ready to go bang? No, no. You got you to you get like year 12, 13, 14, 15 before you turn to reggae to get you hyped up. Yeah. Because it's... it's, it's because when you're earlier in your career, you need the energy. But when you're older, it's like, no, I don't actually need the energy. I, I can come with that. I need the focus. Yeah. I, need the, I need my soul stirred a little bit here. Word. Yes. Uh, we are joined by Troy Rank, our Denver 7 Broncos insider, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Troy, how you doing, my friend? Doing great, guys. How are you? Really, really good, Troy. Uh, the first two days of training camp 2022 is in the books. Uh, I think the obvious question is, how awesome is Russell Wilson? 
Yeah, listen, I mean, this is what it looks like when you have a star quarterback. He controls the tempo of practice in so many ways, at least offensively. He creates an energy, a vibe, excitement. And you guys know this. When you walk out on a Sunday and you feel like you could beat any team because the guy behind the center for you is as good as anybody else or could at least beat that other quarterback in a game, it just it instills the team with confidence. It permeates the locker room. So he's been as advertised. And I think, they're for me, they're even a little further along offensively. We'll get a better feel when they go to pads next week. But I just love the fact that he is a tireless worker. He's obsessed with the process, and he knows what it takes to win. And that's exactly what this franchise needs after the last six years. Troy, uh, aside from Russell Wilson, who is jumping out at you in the last couple of days? I know it's uh, early, no pads out there, only two practices in the books. But who's making an impression early? Yeah, I mean, the tight end, well, your old position, Eric Saubert is – an interesting guy. I mean, none of us think of him as a receiving tight end. He's a blocker and more of a special teams guy. But with Greg Dolchich out right now with a hamstring injury, he's popped the first two days. He had a uh, big game yesterday where he ended up running all the way to the end zone and dunking over the goalpost. But he showed recognition on this. And you talked about it yesterday, Nate. Uh, you know, the West Coast offense, you know, it's about timing, but it's also about receiver recognition, knowing where to stop and those spots are in a zone. Because your back's to it, and you think when you're running, oh, it's wide open, and the quarterback's like, no, you're running me into coverage. And he stopped. He sat down perfectly. So he's had a nice few days. Baron Browning at outside linebacker, I like what I'm seeing with him. He's certainly a fit in the run game, but he's making, you know, he's opening some eyes. P.J. Locke, and these are, these are guys a little bit off the beaten path. And the running backs, you know, again, Javante Williams gets the first-team reps. And Melvin Gordon doesn't run with the second team. He just waits till the next first team refs come around, and then he goes in. And I asked Coach Hackett about that yesterday. And, again, I know fantasy league owners want to know this, but Hackett insists they have to have two running backs. There's going to be room for both running backs. And I do believe you're going to see one of them be more of a threat in the passing game. And, for me, it sets up as Melvin Gordon. I would agree with that, Troy. You mentioned Greg Dulcich. Uh, what about the other early pick in the draft for this last draft class from George Payton? Nick Benito, uh, I've seen him running with the twos and threes, uh, not really splashing here in camp just yet. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's got the athleticism. He's got the bend. He's just a little raw. I mean, it's not a shock. I mean, the guy's a supreme athlete. It might take a little time. We saw this in OTAs. When he go against threes, he demolish them. You get against twos, it's much more of an even battle. And I think you would know this better, Chad, is you wanted to grow his confidence before you throw him out there against ones and go, like, you know, make you feel like he's not ready. They've got a month here to work with him. The athleticism's there. That's a, the baseline skill is there. I think now he's understanding that at this level, against this offense, this type of quarterback, there's just things that you, there's nuances at the pro game that you really don't have to deal with as a college player especially when you're probably the best athlete on the field or top three athlete on the field all the time. That's no longer the case. I'm not worried about Benito, but they are going to need him because we just don't know what to expect from Randy Gregory early in the season. I mean, he should be ready to go for the Seahawks game, but is he going to be on a pitch count? I would think he probably is. So, And the guy we can't sleep on is Malik Reed. He's just an old pickup truck, old reliable, a guy that you know you can put in there and trust. It's just Malik's strength isn't setting the edge against the run, but if you just need him to go rush the passer 20 times, Malik can do that. I mean, he can get you sacks. 
Troy, the idea with this receiving core is that Corland Sutton is your number one with the possibility of Jerry Judy potentially becoming a number one or a number two. Tim Patrick is, is largely thought of. At least how I see it as an afterthought uh, of not a number one. Through these first couple days, Tim Patrick, to me, looks like the number one receiver. Can you talk a little bit about those three guys and how you see them stacking up? Yeah, I mean, it's the interesting thing to me is because I've predicted that Judy will lead them in yards and Sutton and touchdowns will be the guy. But early in camp, you look for a quarterback. Who is their safety valve? Who's the guy they trust when the fire alarm is blaring? And early in these first two days, that's Tim Patrick. I mean, Russell Wilson had five straight completions at one point yesterday. Three of those went to Tim Patrick. And part of it is why. You guys know this. He never drops the football. And so as a quarterback, as a veteran, that is in your mind. that Man, if I throw it this guy's way, he's going to catch it. And so it's going to be interesting to me to see how this pans out. Would he take over some of Sutton's routes? Or would the two of them, Patrick and Sutton, kind of dwarf what Judy can do? The difference is Judy's running a different route tree for me a different skill set so I did I don't know that that would impact Judy unless they just you know Russell doesn't trust Judy early in the year but Judy's had some flash plays he's had some frustrating plays the key with Jerry this camp he's got to be consistent and he's got to go into the season consistent and confident Cortland Sutton looks better for me in separation off the ball Nate than he did a year ago when he was only one year removed from the ACL but I, he, Tim Patrick's the guy you don't sleep on, but people always ask, what his number's going to look like? I don't know because I don't know how the fit is with he and Sutton because they're similar players. Right. So if Patrick emerges, does he take away from Sutton's production or do they both just end up being utilized at the same time? That's the part I'm just not sure because of the new offense and a new quarterback. The offensive line is obviously difficult to evaluate without pads, but there seemed to be some movement on the right side of the offensive line. Uh, Natane Moody playing, uh, getting the start yesterday as opposed to Quinn Miners on day one. Uh, how do you see that right side playing out here early in camp? Yeah, I mean, they like Quinn Miners. He's a brute, and he is just absolutely writes a diary of havoc in the run game the way he just mauls guys. But he's got to improve on his pass blocking. He's lost significant weight. When I had last talk, last talked to him, he dropped like you know between 15 and 20 pounds to move better. He and Reisner both dropped weight to move better in this outside outside zone run scheme. But Muti is a guy that jumped off the page in the off season because he did not have a great year last year. He really struggled at times. But in this scheme, something seems to have clicked where he's caught the coach's eye. So it is something to keep an eye on. I mean, if I had to guess, uh, educated guess, Miners would be the starter. On opening night, and they're running Glasgow as a backup center, so he's not really competing at the guard spot. So for me, Miners has the slight edge. But again, like you said, Chad, we got to get pads on. There's no other position that needs pads on to determine a depth chart than the the linemen, especially offensive linemen. And that won't happen in earth. Sounds like we uh, lost you there, Troy. Uh, thanks, Troy. Definitely appreciate it. Uh- Troy Rank, our Denver 7 Broncos insider, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Very suspenseful ending right there. Yeah. Kind of, kind of well, what, what was he going to say? Yes. I was, I was hanging on what? Troy's every Troy, word. Troy. You know, Troy's always good for uh, some kind of fun uh, saying, describing a player. This time, we didn't get that. Maybe that Troy. was what was about to come, he, he, man. he was teeing it up. I think he was. The money shot. We yeah. didn't get to hear it. <laughs> you, come no, on, No, no, no. Sometimes, Chad, I'm just saying something. And when you laugh at it, it's not supposed to be, like, obscene or anything. And your laughter makes it seem like it was. So, hey, man, just hold your tongue, bro. Well, your uh, reputation precedes you. No. So when you say something like that, that could be taken one of two ways. And you 
take it one way and I meant it the other. But there's also a majority of the time where you actually meant it the way that I'm laughing at. You don't know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> I think, well, I got a pretty good idea most of the time. All right. Maybe I'll give you some grace with that particular one. Yeah, please do. That was on me. But a majority of the time, my laughter is correctly based on my assumptions. Get your head out of the gutter, I think, is what we need to say to you, Chad. This is a, this is a family show. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, Coach Hackett discussed the importance of having Javante and Melvin Gordon contribute big time this coming year. But first, how the Rockies fare yesterday? Here's Spilly to fill us in. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, Ready to Ride. Here's Chad and Nate. For me, we're going to need both those guys, too. We're going to need all those guys. I mean, all those running backs are doing such a good job. Um, they all do some, a couple things a little bit different. Javante goes in there first. Melvin, I mean, we want to get them both the ball uh, quite a bit because they're very good football players, and I love how both of those guys are coming along. Bad boys, bad boys. What's he going to do? What's he going to do when they come Daniel Hackett talked about some bad boys in the backfield yesterday. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, how they both need to have contributions in this season. Nate, Nate, are you there, Hackett? Hello? 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 Nope, I guess not. All right. I think that if you look at the past ah, and, and the experience that I've had with any running back is, you know, when it comes to always wanting to run the ball, um, that's important because that helps so many different things across the board uh, to attack a defense. But then when you add it in the pass game, they're so integral. And a lot of people don't know how integral they are because they open up holes for other people. And if holes close, then they're the ones that get the ball. And whenever you get a ball to a back in space, we're all very excited about that. So I think it's about just the quarterbacks understanding their progressions, their reads, and being able to make an efficient decision to be able to get a completion. And if it's to a back... I mean, usually it's in space, and I always love that. Yeah, the contribution he's talking about there, Nathaniel Hackett, is the contribution in the pass game. Uh, as a linebacker, you know, a lot of my pass drop responsibilities and pass coverage responsibilities are taking care of backs. Uh, to Coach Hackett's point there, they do open up space because they are in front of you as a pass receiver, as a linebacker. They are the eye candy that gets you to drift out of your lane, out of your zone, so, they can, so the quarterback can open up a window behind you and make a completion behind you. So uh, these guys' importance and the ability of the quarterbacks to utilize them is going to be critical. Yeah, these guys are better in space than Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> oh, Troy Rankish. Well, well done there. Yeah, I think he says better in space than somebody else. Neil Armstrong? I thought it was Lance Armstrong. No, nope, it's that, Neil. That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, man, I, I, know the, I know the conversation around these two guys has been, and, and by the way, it's gone on one side of it that Javante's the guy. Melvin's going to be carrying his helmet. He's going to be fighting for reps for the second and third guys. But clearly, when you get Melvin Gordon out on the football field, he impresses you. He impresses you with his physique. He impresses you with his ability as a running back, his cutting ability, his pass blocking ability. This is a guy you want on the field. You don't want him on the sideline. And so there's a reason why those guys split reps last year. You can say, well, I have said also some disparaging things about this staff from last year. The offensive coaches left a lot to be desired, but they do. They saw these Young running back, not young running backs. They saw both of these running backs as valuable to their offense, and I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to see the same thing when he gets them out there. And you never know. One game, Javante might have the hot hand and get the lion's share of the carries. You might see Melvin Gordon one game getting them. Melvin Gordon had ten touchdowns last year. I think uh, Javante had what three or four. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon obviously 
and to use a Troy Rankism, he doesn't need Siri to find the end zone. Right? <laughs> he can get there on his own. He has a nose for it. Obviously a propensity to, to put the ball on the turf at a crucial time. He's got to clean that up. Will he ever be able to, though? He's a 29-year-old running back. Is that just the way he is? Can you improve on that stuff? I think that these coaches are going to see value in having Melvin Gordon and Javante out there. And I saw them both out there on the same play yesterday. So there are going to be packages where you can utilize them both. I think the the true uh, look at Javante is going to be once we put on pads. Yeah. Uh, without pads, you know, Javante is impressive. But I don't think you get to see his most impressive skill set, which is breaking tackles, being a physical downhill runner. Yep. With this outside zone scheme, you know, you press the edge to get defenders to commit. And then at the right moment, you put that foot in the ground and cut up field. Uh, I think Javante is really going to excel at that. But when you talk about a running back with Melvin Gordon's experience and his overall running back skill set, to him, to not utilize him would really be a travesty by Nathaniel Hackett because I, I think you can't just put it all on Javante Williams when you have a guy as talented uh, as Melvin Gordon in that running back room. The pass game, which we, that, that clip we uh, just uh, heard from Nathaniel Hackett talking about there, I think Melvin Gordon is ahead of Javante Williams in the pass game, and that's where he's going to shine yeah. this season, be a real critical part of this offense. Um, the ability for the running backs to be dynamic in the pass game uh, but also be a skilled pass blocker, that is an, an invaluable thing because defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators are often in this battle. And defensively, we want to show blitz as often as we possibly can to get that running back to stay in the backfield. Hmm. And so it's this constant cat and mouse game because offensively, they want to get their backs out of the backfield as quickly as possible. So we peel off our blitz and go cover that back. So this this constant battle between uh, the the uh, offense and defense from a linebacker, running back, OC, DC, DC perspective, the more talented of a back that you have in the receiving game, the the more uh, the less likely is the defense is actually going to blitz. When we played, uh, when I was with the Seahawks and we moved to the NFC West, and now we were playing Marshall Falk and the Rams. I, we could barely get a linebacker blitz going because Marshall Falk would burn you out of the backfield. Mm. Uh, so that kind of ability, that kind of uh, uh, card to play, hey, you want to blitz this? Well, bam, I'm throwing my card on the table, and that's Melvin Gordon getting out of the backfield, catching a swing route, and taking that thing upfield with lots of open grass to make a move on a defender. Interesting. So you're saying that whether or not you blitz is often predicated on the running back you have out there and his ability to catch the ball. Yes, Absolutely. There's a direct correlation. The better you third down back that you have in the game, the less likely it is that I'm going to blitz. Now, if it's a third down back who's 155 pounds, then, yeah, we're going to try to blitz all the time because he's not going to be able to stand up as a pass blocker. But if it's a bigger guy like Melvin Gordon, size 210-plus, then that is a more difficult proposition. It's not an automatic win if we blitz and we get linebacker on the back. But it is a win if we get Melvin Gordon and they pass right against the linebacker. So as a defensive coordinator, you've got to try to play that game and play it correctly. And if you guess wrong, it could be a really big play. You know, I know there's different schools of thought when it comes to how to use running backs and how extensively to use young running backs. Do you want to burn them out and uh, ride them till the wheels fall off, or do you want to try to save their carries? Do you want to split carries with them in hopes, in the hopes of kind of stretching out their careers? Uh, our very own Cecil Lammy's in favor of ride your running back as hard as you can while you got him until he's done, until you burn him out. Um, I actually, you know, think differently. I think that when you got a guy like Melvin Gordon, who has the experience that he has and has been as successful as a running back in the NFL as he has been, then every carry that he gets, 
elongates or lengthens Javante Williams' career. Are the Broncos going to be at their peak this year under Nathaniel Hackett, or is it going to take a couple years to get going? Is 2023, 2024, 2025, are those going to be the sweet spot for these Broncos? Obviously, you don't want to look three years ahead. You want to try to win games now. You want to try to win the Super Bowl this year, but you also want Javante Williams as a Bronco as long as you possibly can. And I think saving him from the natural beatdown that happens to these running backs. Running backs have incredibly short careers. Uh, they get used up quickly, and you never hear from them again. You rarely see, like, you know, uh, a lion's share quarterback guy, or I'm sorry, running back guy going into his late 20s. Melvin Gordon is the anomaly. Right. You know, he's kicking 30s door down, and he is a rarity in the NFL. So I think the more you can protect Javante Williams, it's a 17-game season. You make the playoffs. Hopefully you got three more games there. That's 20 games. Yeah, the preseason games, that's 23 football games. That's a lot of banging. And the style of play that he plays with, another Troy Rankism, like Batman, boom, pow, bang. <laughs> right? you got to save him from himself right. sometimes because he doesn't know how to shy away from that kind of contact. Melvin Gordon is a way to save Javante Williams from himself. Uh, the uh, hill is about halfway full right now, about 30 minutes before practice starts. Uh, we had a Derek Wolf signing just a few minutes ago walking across the field, the former Bronco, former Raven. And we got a text simultaneously at the very same minute Derek Wolf walked in front of us that says Derek Wolf retires. Yes. So uh, I guess he's retired. I guess he is retired. Got banged up those last couple years in Baltimore. More. Uh, Derek Wolf, a, a warrior of a defensive lineman, certainly a guy who earned his uh, respect uh, from a toughness standpoint in the NFL. There he is walking uh, across the field right now, holding his daughter, uh, presumably. He's a very large man. Yeah, so I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of announcement maybe here later today, officially retiring as a Bronco. Congrats to Derek Wolf for a career well done. A guy who laid it all on the line uh, constantly for his team, showed a lot of love for his team. Uh, when we come back, uh, Coach Hackett talked about this offensive line and some of the struggles they're going to have. We will dive into that next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022. Ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. That's something we've, I've, I've seen offensive line uh, get a little bit freaked out about because we always say, hey, block until the ball's out. And that sometimes is a little bit longer because people extend the play. So it's going to have to be something they get used to. Um, but I am very excited about the, this line. You know, they've done a fine job, especially, you know, coming in, introducing a new system, that outside zone system, the pass protection system, a lot of things that are different. And, and I think that they've really bought in up to this point. I mean, there's been a couple guys that have been big surprises. And, uh, and not because they're not good, but because of how much they bought in and how much better they're getting every day and uh and i appreciate that from them i'm excited for him uh, that was coach hackett and his excited way of explaining some of the challenges this offensive line is going to have certainly the new uh outside zone scheme is going to be a bit of an issue uh, as time goes along i'd imagine that's going to get better but something new for these guys is to have russell wilson back there and you know you are taught as an offensive lineman to have a little bit of a clock in your head internally, and you get a sense of when the quarterback should have the ball out so you don't get called for holding. Well, Russ is going to hold it sometimes, hold it for a long time sometimes. So this is going to be an adaption period for these guys getting used to dealing with the uh, Bradley Chubbs and Randy Gregory's and Malik Reeds of the world while still trying to be cognizant of who this guy is behind them and how to best protect him. Yeah, and better to do it now. Better to do it now at practice. Get used to that. One of my beefs with the way that football practice is run, especially in the NFL, is that it's so scripted. 
you get a script before you ever go out on the field. You know what plays are going to be run. You know what the coverage is going to be. You know what the front's going to be. You know what the blitzes are. So players sometimes have a tendency to over-rely on that script. And so if anything's off script, oh, my gosh, what do we do? We're swimming. Well, a football game is off script. A football game is against an opponent that is not collaborating with you on the second floor to make sure practice runs smoothly. A football game is about going off script, playing ball, rolling with the punches, making things happen when it doesn't look like it was the right play call. That's what Russell Wilson does in the games. We know that. So let's let's practice it now. Let's allow him to escape the pocket in games. Let's allow him to extend the puck uh, to play. I'm sorry, in practice. Allow him to extend the play in practice and let his teammates start to figure out what that means. Not just the offensive linemen who have to uh, you know, uh, prevent themselves from holding, who have to hold up longer, who have to have an awareness of where he is behind them. you got to have eyes in the back of your head. got to have your spidey senses up. You can fine-tune those things at practice, but also the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs. How do you extend plays for Russell? Where do you run to give him a throw on this play, on that play? Does he like throwing to his right better, to his left? When he's throwing to his right, does he like to throw deep or to the sideline? When he's rolling to his left, does he like to throw deep or to the sideline? Will he throw across his body? We all he always hear that, never throw across your body when you're going across. That's the, that's the typical quarterback analysis stuff, unless you can do it. Unless you're on strong enough to make the catch, and then you're going to be wide open sometimes. Can Russell make those throws? How far across his body is he willing to throw? Those are things you can get a feel for at practice uh, if you dial those up, if you allow him as a coach to be himself out there and extend the plays. So, yes, it's a challenge for guys. It, it bucks the trend of a typical structured, scripted football practice, but it's going to pay dividends on Sundays. It absolutely is. This, this offensive line group has to find a way to really take advantage of this training camp process here and come together as a group to be able to do the outside zone but then also be able to internalize the sense of where Russell Wilson is, is in the pocket. You can't check, you can't turn your head as an offensive line. Then you got to get a sense of Based on the pass rush, how your rusher is rushing you is going to indicate where Russell Wilson is in the pocket. So you have to be able to stop that guy, stone that guy from getting back to your quarterback, but then also have a sense of how he's rushing, where he's moving to get a sense of, hey, Russell Wilson has the ball back there. I still got to stay engaged with this guy. And that's only going to come with a ton of of reps. So uh, this offense line, to Nathaniel Hackett's point, does have some challenges it's going to face this season. There's going to be some struggles with that. Yep, uh, Derek Wolf just walked past us again. A, a texter informed us he has signed a one-day contract with the Broncos. Yeah, to retire a Broncos. So that makes sense that he's here today. Um, you know, one of the all-time great Broncos, I would say, or at least of 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 the most you know the last decade. Um, yeah, I think this offensive line is still a work in progress. You you listen to Nathaniel Hackett when he fields questions about who's going to be the starter. What he says is we're trying to we're trying to try out all of the combinations. We want 15 healthy guys out there, and we can rotate them all in and out. We're trying to find out which unit of five dudes works the best on the plays that we want to run. Uh, communication is key, right? Uh, the center communicating with what about what he sees. It's not just about what you see. It's about what you communicate. you got to call it out. you got to talk to your guys. Zone blocking scheme is about a feel. It's about trust, and it's about moving laterally right off the ball. You're running off the line of scrimmage, right? The ball snaps. You are running sideways. And you and to be able to do that seamlessly and without hitching or, or hesitating, you got to trust in the system. you got to trust in the play, and you got to trust that the guy next to you is also going to be running, or you're going to be running up his back, and you guys are going to trip up into a pile right there. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to create a pile in the hole. That's the last thing you ever want to do. Um, 
when I was when I was trying to figure out how to be a tight end, when I was trying to figure out how to block these guys and do combo blocks with tackles, the worst thing you could do is fall in the hole. Oh no! Yes, it's okay. A pile up. Yes, absolutely. And, and the running back has nowhere to go, mm-hmm. and so you get chewed out by your coaches, and the play gets blown up, kaput, nothing. So you got to stay moving. You got to stay moving laterally. You got to stay square with the guy you're blocking. What I mean by staying square is you don't turn your butt into the hole, and you don't try to turn him into the hole. You want your chest to be parallel to the line of scrimmage. You want to stay square and give that running back. A two-way go. He can go off either butt cheek of yours. He can go right or he can go left. Stay square. Allow that defensive lineman to outrun or overrun the play. Or if he underruns the play, great. You take him where he wants to go. You take him further than he wants to go there. So um, a big-time feel for the game situation with these linemen. Uh, The first couple days it was Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Quinn Miners and Calvin Anderson. That was your five, but that was your five last year. There's a couple guys who are injured and a couple guys like Natani Muti and, and uh, Graham Glasgow who figure to be in consideration for the starting job. So how it's going to shake out, that depends on their communication. Caden uh, Davis, once again, the first Bronco on the field getting warmed up with uh, some of the ball boys. But a uh, guy you just mentioned, Quinn Miners, over on the far field away from us, the Predator, uh, is predator. <clears throat> working his pass sets, but interestingly enough, uh, was doing it uh, uh, some from the left and some from the right. That was interesting to watch. Uh, Now focused on his right guard, uh, I guess, zone, uh, outside zone attack to the left. All by himself, just kind of working on his footworks and his first opening steps for those uh, either pass blocks or zone plays. So, uh, guys getting a little bit of uh, extra work in. Yeah, you got to remember, Quinn Miner's a D3 lineman. Um, I played D3 football. The biggest difference between D3 football and the NFL was the size of the interior linemen. The size of the interior linemen in D- Division Three are, are just markedly smaller than the pros. It's just such a huge jump for Quinn Miners to go from blocking 230-pound nose guards to Draymond Jones. Right. You know what I'm saying? And DJ Jones. <laughs> so that that's, that's a big jump. He also took the COVID year off, I think, and, and so... He has a lot of work to do technically. Now, his physical attributes, his size, his athleticism, by all accounts, those are right where they need to be. It's the little stuff, the technical stuff. Every day you try to add to that tool belt. And like I was talking about earlier with Jerry Judy, you're going to have some bad days. Like day one, when Quinn Miners, when everyone puts the pads on, DJ Jones probably going to eat Quinn Miners for lunch. Mm. And that's okay. Right. That's okay because that's DJ Jones you brought in. That was a one of the high, most highly sought after, sought after free agent D lineman in the league. One of the highest graded D lineman by PFF last year <laughs> for the Niners. This guy's very, very good at what he does. You talked about the de- the defensive line and the way in in San Francisco they run laterally, they mm-hmm. chase. You know he's going to be doing that. Quinn Miners is going to have to account for that. It's going to make him better. So we got to you know hold off on saying oh. Quinn Miners looks like crap. No, Quinn Miners is playing against some of the best in the world. He's going to come around. I'm glad he's out here early getting his, getting his work in. Yeah, uh, watching him work, go through his drills, he is certainly a massive human being, but his uh, first couple steps for an offensive lineman are extremely quick. I can see why, despite being a Division three player, the Broncos you know, took a flyer on him. The guy's got some foot speed and some athleticism that is rare for a human being that size. Uh, there, you know, there was some uh, alternating, alternating series between Quinn Miners and Natane Moody yesterday at that right guard spot. We still don't know who's going to be the uh, right tackle. Uh, there has been some conversation. Uh, we've seen Glam, Glass, Graham Glasgow uh, 
playing center this year um, is his experience and his uh, communication style going to be enough to maybe take over from Lloyd Cushenberry? The, the right side, I'm sorry, the left side seems to be pretty firmly set with Dalton Reisner and uh, Garrett Bowles. But there's some question marks about those three other spots. We'll see how that plays out as camp rolls along. Uh, more and more Broncos leaving the locker room, coming out onto the field, um, mainly offense and defensive line, and they're just they're. They're, they're, there's, you can tell that when there's no pads because when offensive linemen and defensive linemen are having a casual conversation, joking with each other, that won't be the case you don't think, next week. You don't think? No, there'll be enemies by that point. <laughs> Someone will have pushed somebody in the back. There'll be some hard feelings. So to see these guys just casually joking right now, yes, it is a non-padded practice. Uh, it's an easier day for those guys up front. Yeah, maybe the last of the non-padded practices, right? I think uh, maybe tomorrow they put them on or, or, or perhaps it's not until – Monday uh, tomorrow they practice. That's the one that's going to be open to the to the public. They sold tickets, or well, they made tickets available. Four thousand of them. Although I've heard also that it's more like forty eight hundred. I will say though that the hill right now is already more full than it has been the last two days during practice, and we're still twenty thirty minutes away from practice starting. So. Broncos country starting to get the idea to come out here. It is a Friday, I've been told by Richie. Richie, it is Friday, right? Yep, yep, today's Friday, so a lot easier to get out here. But um, the fans are starting to trickle in, and that's exciting. It, it, it always makes it better for a player seeing fans out here cheering for what you're doing. And, you know, you heard Eric Saubert uh, dunk the ball over the, the goal the goal post yesterday after a 30-yard seam touchdown. That goal post is right in front of the fans, so you get them going when you do stuff like that. It's always fun when there's a, a fan presence at, at training camp, particularly when you have a competitive uh, period and you get a chance to hear the roar of the crowd, get you a little hyped up as a player. So I know these guys are looking forward to a full house tomorrow with uh, tons of Bronco fans out here. Uh, when Nate and I come back, uh, we will have our distraction segment. That's next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. 